and welcome back to Keeping Track. Today, we're continuing our four-part mini-series highlighting women's running groups for Women's History Month this month of March. Today, we speak with Julia Lucas, former professional distance runner and current coach of Atalanta Track Club. Atalanta is Mary Kane's professional group, which also has a training team with monthly online programs that actually you could join today. We'll post a link, as well as a youth team mentored by the professional women focusing on the power of community, education, and movement. Julia was a professional athlete. She graduated as a multi-time All-American from NC State in 2007 and ran for eight years professionally with a PB of 405 in the 1500 and 1508 in the 5K. She finished fourth at the 2012 Olympic Trials. She has been mentored by coaches like the great Ellie Hennes, Mark Rowland from Oregon Track Club, and has learned from legends like world championship and Olympic medalist Sally Kipiego. We hear how her life and career has informed her coaching and about all the groups she's involved in across the running world, like the No Name program, which merged running and social activism and her private coaching experience. Julia is also a great writer, which we didn't talk much about, but we'll link some of her work on our blog. So as always, check us out at keeping-track.com and on Instagram at keeptrackmedia. In keeping with Women's History Month, all proceeds from sales of our Keeping Track merchandise will be split between Sarah Vaughn's Vaughn Child Care Fund, the Atalanta Track Club, and the ever-impactful And Mother programs. Thanks for keeping track! Okay, Julia, I'll do your, I can go back and do your intro, but as you were saying, um, I was just saying, how are you doing? And like, what, where, where are you right now? I am in New York City. <laughs> I'm in Brooklyn in my apartment. Um, I've been here. I moved here nine years ago, right after I retired from professional running and just didn't know what I was going to do. I didn't. My resume just said running. I was one of the more sort of one dimensional athletes. I thought of myself as like personally well-rounded. But then when you type up the resume, you're like, I don't I don't know how to do anything. <laughs> and uh, came here and just got in, just decided to say yes to everything. like anything that came my way and that's and that's bartending and it's leading running groups and it's it's just yeah sort of throwing myself to the wind and um and that led me to enormous periods of feast and famine uh and this sort of perfect situation that I have right now where I'm coaching two groups one is Atalanta uh and that's the group founded by Mary Kane um it's a nonprofit and the athletes are all hired on as athlete athlete employees um so they're uh, benefits and livelihood are all taken care of, and they're in charge of running this nonprofit uh, that seeks to pair um, athlete mentors with youth in the city who want to stay in sport and sometimes have a harder time doing that than they should. So we're trying to fill that hole. And then the athletes are also trying to compete at the highest level and represent their countries in global competition and go to the Olympics and all that good stuff. Uh, and then my other group is more of a community group. Um, it's called No Name. Uh, I started it with my friend Coffee. Um, sort of grew out of this really organic group that began as running to protest, which uh, started in 2020. And um, the, the the walking protests, the runners got together early. Coffee um, had this, this brainchild. He said that the runners should be doing something with with what we have and what we have is running. <laughs> so um, he began running to protest, which was a monthly group uh, that focused on an, uh, a social issue, an issue of inequality 
Um, and we did a run that was very slow, uh, that was mostly about um, chanting and presence and learning. Um, and then that group of socially minded people wanted to do a weekly run. And so coffee began this group Define New York Run Club. And then those people met every week and really liked what they were doing and wanted to do more. And they wanted to train for the New York City Marathon. Um, everybody wants to train for the New York City Marathon, especially if you live in New York City. And so um, we just were longtime friends and he asked me to coach this group. And so No Name, which is a 16-week marathon training program supported by Lululemon, um, became became an incredible success one year in. <laughs> uh, and we're going to keep, we're going to keep doing that. So those are my two buckets, community coaching um, with no name and then elite coaching with Atalanta. And it's fun to kind of bounce them off each other and see how they're the same and how they're different. And um, they're more, they're more the same than different. If, if that surprises you at all. Yeah. That, they both sound really fulfilling to do both of yeah. those yeah. things. Um, I love that that grew from the no name project like that it grew from protesting and using your voice and your movement for that cause and then it segued into oh wait we're getting fit like what what we do with this we'll run the new york city marathon that's really cool running is every running is everything you know it really is that's, <laughs> that's the huge takeaway is it's like what like what do you need yeah <laughs> it can do it what you need that's awesome um well we we jumped in I hit record as I asked Julia how she was doing because it started to get into some I liked how she was talking about how she found herself in New York everyone so if you're wondering um why I didn't do the intro that is why but we will we'll tag it on at the end um but Julia like uh you are you have valuable experience to bring to the coaching world as a woman who ran professionally and um you had mentors like Sally Kipiego and um, good coaches like Raleigh Geiger and Mark Rowland. Like, do you bring, what do you bring to your athletes that you felt um, you benefited from as an athlete? And what do you, is there anything you've learned that you try to avoid that you're like, oh, we won't do this with these women? Ooh, um, that's a lot. I feel like that, what do I take from my career and what do I leave behind or, um, like defiantly protest against is mm -hmm. I, you, we are doing <laughs> so it's a big it covers a lot. I do want to, I do want to go back and insert, um, Lori Hen as, as one of the, one mm -hmm. of those coaching figures. Um, I was very lucky to be one of the, one of the women coached by, um, a woman who also herself had pro running and elite running experience and was an NCAA champion. And I had, I did have incredible coaches um just just really nothing but lucky in that regard i could have so easily been um you know the naive 17 year old picking colleges and just ended up in with with someone who was leading a really good team that ended up not being a like wholesome or loving or family type group and instead i chose the team at the time when i signed they were um second in the country so obviously i just signed I signed for lots of reasons, but really I wanted to be really, really fast. So, so that's where I went. And um, and I ended up in this like just nest where I got to to uh, continue the growing up process under two coaches, Raleigh Geiger and Lori Hennes, who they just love all their athletes. They really love them and want them to bring their whole weird special selves to the track and develop them like not in this um, like mechanized, like 
uh, like use them up and throw them out fashion that I think college programs can sometimes get um, some people sometimes equate, equate with college programs. Um, so let's see when I, when I'm thinking to myself, when I'm like awkwardly in an infield, like I'm supposed to be here. What do I do? <laughs> How do I act around this athlete who had a bad race or a good race? Or I have two athletes and one had a bad race and one had a good race. Like what, what do I do there? Um, I just like mentally step into the body of Lori and has become her and then just do whatever she would do. <laughs> and that is, that's my go-to, uh, my go through my go-to method. And, and we do, we have a lot of contact. We spent so much time together. I think I can usually guess right <laughs> there's doing what she would do, but it is like, The coaches I've had, yeah, I've had coaches who haven't worked for me, um, and um, coaches who left me like feeling less, less powerful as myself, um, or like the ways that I was strange. Whereas Lorian Roland found ways to make those like powerful tools. Other coaches who thought that was a nuisance and just made me feel small and put me through like correct physiological training that was individualized. That was, was good, smart training. Um, but just, I ran slow off of it because I was so unhappy. Uh, and so when I think about what to bring to my athletes, it's sort of like an amorphous answer, but I think like, okay, it, it's not, it's not my running, it's their running and the impetus to get faster and to, to, to be, to compete well and to feel powerful. Like, the the heart of that and the key to that is in them. Like I don't have actually any direct access to that. So like, how can I like watch them and just remind them of things like remind them of how tough they are or patient they are like different things for different athletes, but like to do more of like honing the eye, like reminding them of little things that are easy to forget in hard moments. And then just having like as little to do with the process as possible, except where I'm necessary, which can end up being a lot to do with the process, but <laughs> in when they're, when they're doing well, or when they need me to back away or when trying to be sensitive to that. Um, Cause I think both a really nurturing internal coach like Lori and a really gruff hard nosed British coach like Roland both do really well. They're just really sensitive to um, the like specific genius of their athletes, respecting that, respecting that their athletes are like not their little pet to do mind games on, but like have like something extraordinary about them. And they need to like understand what it is, understand that they can't totally understand what it is and like back away when necessary. I think that's a lot of work. I think that's such a, that's such a, um, <laughs> that's such a sign of a good coach though. Like, I feel like that is what it's what makes coaching difficult because you need to know when to not be heavy handed and try and change the person. You're just trying to like, no, you can do it. It's in you. I'm trying to empower you to go do this thing. And it's very, I feel like we have seen both. I feel like sometimes, especially at the elite level, it can tip to the side of like, no, we need to mold you into this like brainless robot. And when I say go, you go. And like, I just think that's limiting. I think that's not going to work for a lot of people. Um, I think uh, you're lucky to have good mentors and coaches that have done that for you. And I think it's great to hear that you're carrying it on. Cause I think that is the key to <laughs> unlocking great performances. I have one story that I just, it's really quick. I'll, I just remembered it. I was coming back from, a, from an indoor meet at Washington and we were all in the van and it was very like, 
back of the bus energy. Everyone's sort of like goofy and had all run good races. And um, and uh, Roland was driving the van, very like high school track team <laughs> energy. He was rolling the van and I was like, I'd run well and was kind of making fun of myself because I like don't have a great stride and I'm not very athletic. I still can catch a ball. I was just like being a little bit of a goon, like performance goon. And, uh, and he like swerved the van on the highway, put one arm over the other headrest, turned back to look at us very unsightly and said, lovey. He called me lovey. He's very <laughs> British. <laughs> Don't you ever say that again. Like the things that make you strange are the things that make you good. This is not normal. Don't ever wish away like the way you run or, or yeah, don't make fun of yourself. Don't disparage the, like the, this tool, this, like the specialness of, of you. Yeah. And it's, and like, it's, it's great to be, have a lot of different ways to come at being a great athlete. There isn't one way or one person you have to be like. So I think it's good to display yourself as you are. There's some other girl out there who's like, Oh, I'm like, I like her. I'm, I want to do that. You know, I'm not, maybe I'm not like, her over there but i'm like her over there so everyone just do you <laughs> be yourself <laughs> yes it's such trite advice but it's like the key to everything um um so yes you're i love that you've been informed by your journey in the sport um can you talk a little bit about like who like what inspired you to get into coaching you said you say yes to everything but how did you get um I guess, hooked up with these groups? And like, how did this come to be? Um, when I first, when I first retired, and I like didn't have any money, and I didn't know what I was doing. I like followed a boyfriend to New York, I wanted to go to New York, and he made it easier, I should say that. <laughs> uh, he, or I, um, I sent out a tweet, I like, don't have a long history of tweeting, but I sent out a tweet to the world that said, like, move to New York. And uh, someone who worked um, at Nike at the time, Pat Jeffers contacted me and I had spoken at a summer camp and he was like, I think you'd be good for this community role. You come and talk to me. And I was like, <laughs> I say yes. So yes. <laughs> and I came and talked to him and it ended up being more of like a, almost like an MC role. Like we would meet for runs, just people from the community, anybody could come and do uh, like a five or a seven mile run together. And um, from that experience, I, I was not aware of the enormous running community outside of elite running. Like I was always part of groups that were so insular, like, um, um, Mammoth to Eugene to sometimes Flagstaff to the Olympic training center. Um, I, I just, I did not understand this, like this growing tide of people who were discovering running and using it to reach whatever whatever means they needed. We were talking about the ad adaptability of running. Um, and so people who I met at the time, like a bunch of addicts who were um, using running to recover um, and that like very accepting community. And I met people who were running for mental health and for uh, their physical health which other maybe the same thing and just to like be hot and to run really fast and all those people coming together and becoming friends across those groups um it, it seems obvious maybe now that 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 was happening um that people that running 
is just really accessible. Um, it should be more accessible, but it is it is at this point. Um, um, one of the most accessible things you can do in New York City, just put on your shoes and go running, um, that it would be this like just very fertile ground for connection. But it was just the first time I'd seen it and it was so um, enlivening and it was this creative spark after I'd been doing this one really narrow thing for a while. Um, and again, people are doing it People are doing pro running in ways that aren't so narrow, but that's not how I did it. I I really enjoyed the like the monkish ex existence. Um, so coming to New York, meeting all these different kinds of runners, being excited about possibility, meeting a bunch of different artists, getting excited about the the links between the embodied arts. I knew a lot of like opera singers, um, actors who use really physical techniques of like exhausting themselves in order to find like a true like a affectless self, people who are thinking about their bodies differently, along with these community groups. It just made me so excited about the possibility, the creative possibilities of living in a body, which was such a surprise because I've been living in my body in a really sophisticated way for a long time. Um, so that kind of knocked me over. I forget what the question was. Just how you got into the coaching like, right. <laughs> roles that you are now holding. But yeah, this that's how you got into the running community in a different um way than you were before which i think i think all this is good to bring to your athletes right you're like you've had these expanded views of the sport and of the activity of running like the non-sport part of it um was anyone in these groups like a good connection for you or like you like was it more just like exploring and seeing what was out there it I don't, I'm a very non-strategic person. I'm never like, mm, I should get close to this. Like, I'm just like, dur, dur, dur. <laughs> this person needs help. let's help them. This person is interesting. Let's spend time with them. And they all ended up being um, incredible connections. Like every job that I've had since then is from, like started with that group. Um, Coffee, who I now partner with on a lot of projects and specifically no name, um, came from working with those first big groups, uh, running with community members. Um, we just clicked immediately. And then during the pandemic, um, he, uh, we were always just sort of like, uh, like consultants. Now I live in New York and consultant has a different meaning. <laughs> we're always um, confidants a little bit for each other with brainstorming. Um, how we could use this shared activity. Uh, he comes from street running. He was in fashion and hip hop and acting. Um, and then I was from this like rigid elite side. And so we see running really differently and we really value what the other has in large part because we have almost no overlapping periods or overlapping areas of expertise, um, but really to respect the others. So he ended up being right now, I think my my primary, my primary um contact for um just entree into this into this continually expanding world of um, of running and how it can be different things to different people. Um, who hmm. I so from that from that initial group, I started doing one on one coaching, and sometimes it would be uh, kids, and sometimes it would be like celebrities. It was like weird, like things like I didn't think that I private hmm. like private coaching. Yeah, coaching. Okay. Um. And I still like maintain like a very small group of of private clients. Um, and um, yeah, I, it's hard to. I remember when I first moved to New York, and I would meet like a like a like a, a 
cartoonist and be like, how did you become what you are? And they're like, I can't remember. (laughs) (laughs) There's so many steps along the way to get to where you are. And a lot of them, some you're chasing after. And that's sort of how I conceive of goal setting from, from running. You're like, you know what you want and you go get it. But in this very amorphous land of like, what, what do you want to be? Maybe the thing you want to be, you don't know it exists. (laughs) Um, yeah, opportunities just sort of came one after the other and things would lead to odd areas. And I asked to do, you know, a, a panel or a partnership or something. And it just, it would always just turn into something else. When I look at my to-do list, I'm like, okay, I have two jobs, Atalanta and No Name. But there's all these other like weird, I can't not do that. I can't not do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, the running world has offered just, has offered me like, yeah, an unpredictable, unimaginable <laughs> number of like of opportunities that I can't give up and so I have to load myself in yeah the running world and just like the exciting universe that is New York City (laughs) (laughs) that's true everything is possible uh um so can you talk a little bit about Atalanta like how has that been going and kind of like what's your athlete roster like what are you guys aiming for how often do you like what's a day in the life of an Atalanta practice. Yes. Um, okay. So the so it's it's a nonprofit, um, and our CEO and COO, Mary Kane is the CEO. Uh, they're sort of ha- they they steer the ship um, in terms of where future funding comes from, what our mission statement is, and how how it evolves. Um, we have these three tiers, and one tier is uh, community outreach. So um meeting up with local high schools or uh hosting standalone practices where kids of all ages can come their parents often come and watch uh and we host like very accessible uh form and um speed sessions for those kids um the two uh athlete employees on the roster are uh Carissa Nelson and Eva Richardson um and they uh, are in charge of both brainstorming the future of Atalanta um, and uh, implementing the current plans. So I've gotten off. I've gotten off off my my tiers. Okay, the first tier is <laughs> the community outreach. Um, the second tier is the uh, Atalanta Pro athletes, and you can see how those are intertwined. So the Atlanta Pro Atalanta Pro athletes are uh, training for elite competition and also um running the the team um so reaching out to these high schools and running the community practices doing all the outreach work um sending emails out to see how else they could be involved and then the third tier is uh the um community team which i also coach uh it's people from the community who pay a rate to get monthly coaching from me um, it is all, um, it's all remote, it's all online, um, and we're uh, working through final surge and texting and sometimes calling. Um, so those are those are the three. Um, my involvement is in coaching the third, um, coaching the second, the the pro girls, um, and then being largely consulting with them on the the girls on what their next steps should be. Mm-hmm. Uh, amorphous it's definitely like startup energy um but that's what we're doing so really when when you interview carissa and eva 
they'll tell you more about about what's up but i see myself as more of a a support position um so i am doing the coaching for the girls so they can run fast and meet all their goals um and then i'm being just like kind of home base for these two women who have moved to new york to do this it can be it can be tough to to move to a city to do this most people think of like moving out west and just being in in isolation and um for these two very curious adventurous women that like wasn't quite a click uh they just needed more um more connection and excitement and they have inquisitive minds and um not that the people who live at altitude and out west don't have those things but for some combination of of uh of factors uh new york city just appealed to them and they really people say that the the energy from the city can drain you or fuel you or empower you and uh and these two women are definitely lit up by the energy of the city uh, mm -hmm. so they're, they're always kind of looking for the next way to expand um which so i coach those two women and then there's a growing uh pro group who first we just started bringing people into practice because they need pe needed people to run with and workouts. Um, and then those people are really fast in their own right. So we're like, oh, we can expand. So these are now Atlanta community members. Um, there are uh, three other women, um, Anna Kamaran, who just wrapped up her first indoor season with us and had PRs across the board and it was great. And then um, Antigone um, Archer, and Candace Archer, who are married, and there they fill out a five-person roster, so we can race cross country, maybe. Nice. <laughs> that is the group. We meet Tuesdays and Fridays, and I write their schedule, and I text them all every day, and we're a we're a tight little group. Where do you ladies meet? Do you go to the park, or what's like the running grounds for you? It's either Central Park. There are a few spots, so around the bridle path, or uh, we have marked out 200s on the east side, um, or we go up to the Armory. They have community practice five days a week, or we go to Riverbank Track, which is also uptown, or we go to East River Track, which is downtown, or McCarran Park, Park which is Brooklyn. Uh, it's good. Track access is really good in New York. Um, yeah, New York has public tracks, don't they, where anyone can... That's kind of unique. <laughs> if you, it would. I just don't know how the group would function without. Uh, I mean, going up to altitude—that's the biggest. I mean, the places that that you and I went to altitude when we were first starting out were like kind of empty towns. Mm -hmm. Now they are full of runners, and the rent's a lot higher. And Flagstaff has changed so much. For example, <laughs> running yeah. summer camp. It's <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. You go to the track, and there's like fifty people doing a workout, which I kind of like, but. Um, also I see logistically how it could be hard. <laughs> and that's the thing, looking at all the different places like we could possibly go at the right altitude, uh, just missing a track and having 1500 meter girls means you are mm. not in a good spot. So I need a track. Yeah. I could go. That's like 7,000 feet with <laughs> a track nearby. You really need uh, a public track to spring up in Flagstaff. Somebody, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> somebody out there with a track money. <laughs> um, I met Eva at a cross country race in Franklin Park this year. We were racing each other. Yeah. So that was fun. Yeah, yeah. She actually mentioned that. We're duking it out. <laughs> <laughs> That's a very exciting thing for like an up and summer to be duking it out with like a 
I don't know how many time national champion you are, like yeah. a thousand time national champion. And it's like, it gives the, her this like big boost. Yeah, she, yeah, and then she ran Europeans, I think, cross after that. Yeah, so. Yeah, Irish so. cross and then Europe cross. Um, we were training for the half and she had a little like injury yet setback. Um, something that we would have trained through if we were at a certain point in track, but we were like, let's hold off and make this more of like a, conservative season than anything else so she is back to full-time running but um but not gonna run the um the trials and miles half which was the goal before uh so we're looking more at the outdoor season now very cool well it sounds like you are um have have quite a few coaching hats that you wear between the community group and your online group and your private group and the no-name project um is there a way, like, if someone out there wanted to be coached by you and you were like, I have time to coach another person, where would they find you? Was there a link? Does, could they join the Atalanta third tier or what would you suggest? They could join the Atalanta group, which is through uh, Atalanta, New York. Okay. Well, sure. we'll throw up some links for Atalanta and for if you have a private um, website or anything like that that you wanted to promote. Um, Follow me on Instagram. It's always so big, right? Yes. My offer in the future. Join No Name if you are uh if you're looking during the New York City Marathon or any fall marathon, um, come join us there and then keep an eye. Who knows what I'll do next? Yeah. Are you doing much running, Julia? Are you gonna run have you raced New York yet? Have you hopped in there? I this is a this is a secret of my running career or of my coaching career, is I don't I only run other people's runs. Um, so like I ran zero mile this miles this week or in 80 miles this week. <laughs> like it's, I have no program. <laughs> um, so I could see hopping in a marathon, um, like a, like a 10 year, 10 year past retirement return, maybe seems like a, <laughs> the right thing to do. Um, I know that I would be a happier and healthier and smarter and everything person if I would run every day. So that's my <laughs> next <laughs> it's my resolution. Nice. Um, oh, and before we sign off, happy birthday del delayed when I was um, Wikipediaing your PRs so I can put them in our intro. I saw your birthday was two days ago. So Thank you. happy I'm anniversary good. of Atalanta and of birth. <laughs> Same day. <laughs> yeah. yeah, what a great day. What a good present. <laughs> um, thank you. I appreciate it. Is there, if, if there is anything else you wanted to um, drop, promote, talk about, um any insight you want to leave us with uh anything oh, you don't get asked enough about that you want to talk about you can drop so it here pressure. i know it's like the highest pressure most open-ended question i feel bad asking it but then sometimes we get these like crazy amazing answers and i'm like wow i'm glad we asked you that <laughs> um no no this is what i want to leave it with okay so when i somali and i are the same age we're the same age um and my mom has always just loved you like back Notre Dame years, we were, I don't know if we've ever been exactly side by side in a race, but we've like, we were in the same, like a same territory for- We're in lots of pictures together by, um, by fast women. Yes. <laughs> of course we, right. Because we were in the 5k. Um, I, I probably have never beat you, but I was like hanging, hanging with you for a long time. <laughs> that was, that was our positioning. And my mom, even though you were beating me, I always just loved you. And she didn't know anybody else's name. 
She's like, oh, I love it, Molly. And then she would, I know you might not remember this. She's staked you out at track meets. I mean, like, Molly, I'm Julia's mother. Molly. <laughs> I loved meeting everybody's moms. It was so yeah. fun. They, like, think about it. You would, if you go to, um, you see a lot of the same athletes. If you were a parent at these track meets, you'd be like, oh, I wonder how she's doing. Like, it's cute. <laughs> my, my mama, who's from North Carolina, talks just like this, is a big fan of you. <laughs> To know that she, the wisest person in the world, um, has always been a fan. <laughs> oh, thanks, Julia's mom. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, thank you for doing this. I'm sorry that I can't. I, I love and miss Alicia. Last time I saw her was at the uh, the track nationals. And we saw each other and she started weeping. And then I started weeping. And my athlete, Carissa, was like, what is going on? <laughs> <laughs> so, so the connections run run deep. I'm I'm really happy to see your face. And thank you for bringing me back here. Yeah, it was great to talk to you. And um, so glad that you're in the best mix of running worlds to uh, inspire you and fuel you and fit your authentic self. So I think good things come from that. I think so too. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks, Julia. Keep track, keep track. Running should be simple. Just put on your shoes and go. And yet, when you try to learn about how to get better at it, especially as you age, you're confronted with conflicting advice, complicated workouts, and confusing nutrition trends that just won't work for you. On The Planted Runner, I'll share exactly how to run faster, longer, and feel great doing it at any age because you don't have time to waste. I'm Coach Claire Bartholik, and I went from not running at all in my late 30s to finishing a marathon in 2.58 at age 42, all on a plant-based diet. I've helped hundreds of runners achieve new personal records well into their 60s and even 70s with science-backed training, plant-based nutrition, and proven mental strength techniques. Each episode of The Planted Runner is like a private coaching session on the run, where you'll learn from me and the guests I interview. You'll get actionable lessons to help you become a better runner every week and reach goals that you never thought possible. Whether you're training for your first 5K or your 50th marathon, take along the planted runner on your next run. Let me show you how your best running is still ahead of you.